Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The things that we do for the Lord in, in, in sincerity and purity is really done for the Lord. God, that's the cool thing. God doesn't miss a thing. Anything you do for the Lord out of pure heart, God's like, I saw it. I saw the thing nobody else saw. I saw the thing you did in secret. I saw when you gave and nobody knew what you gave. I saw when you prayed for that individual, when you were merciful to that person in my name. He sees it all. He rewards it all. He keeps good records. And so we have that judgment to look forward to. When you face God, what will he say about the things you've done on earth? Did you do good deeds because of your love for him or because you were trying to earn your way into heaven? Did you give to people in secret? Or did you give in order to gain attention from others? In today's message, Pastor Bill is going to remind you that God keeps a perfect record of everything you've done. He sees what you do in private and knows the intent of your heart. Don't do good deeds out of a prideful heart. Do it for Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Just a little bit of a, a really, really, really brief recap. So we started the book of Revelation, I forget how many months ago now, but we said this, the, the word revelation means what? The unveiling. It's the unveiling of, of who? The whole goal of this book, like no other book in the Bible, this book is the unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. So one thing that should have happened, and I, I know that it has, is that we know Christ better through our time studying the book of Revelation, we know what he loves, what he hates, what he accepts, what he rejects, what he desires, what he doesn't want. And we're going to we'll conclude with even some of those things today. But also the book of Revelation reveals a lot of what's coming in the future. A, the, a good majority of this book is about the future. It's about what's going to happen. So when we get done with chapters two and three, the church age, everything else is future. And so God tells us the future so that we can be prepared to be on the right side of the future. Amen. Is there a good side of the future to be on? Yeah. Right. Because there are people that are with the Lord in heaven. We see in chapters four and five, there are people that are in the new heavens and the new earth in chapter 22 and 21. And that's where we want to be. But we also saw there's some future things that we want nothing to do with. Amen. Because chapter six through 19, there was hell on earth during the tribulation period. We don't want any parts of that. Chapter 20, there was a great white throne judgment where those who didn't have their names written in the Lamb's book of life were thrown in forever and ever. It's called the second death. We want no parts of that. Amen. And we'll see today that there are those that are inside and there are those that have been left outside. And so here, here's what we're going to look at in this closing portion of Revelation 22. We're going to learn about eternal rewards. I got a lot of verses I want to give you on that. I'll try to be quick with it. We're going to see those that are left outside, those that don't make it to heaven. Why? And if you fall into that category, what you can do about it today, because we're looking into the future, God tells us what's happening in the future so we can get right today, right? We're going to see that the, um, God is going to continue to call people to come to himself. We'll get a warning about the danger of altering this book in particular. Any of the Bible you shouldn't be messing with. You shouldn't add or take away. But this book in particular, God said there's a, there, he, he gives a stern warning about adding to it or taking away from it. And lastly, we're encouraged to be ready for his imminent return, that the Lord can come back at any moment and we're to be excitedly, excitedly looking forward to his return. Amen. All right. With all of that, everybody look at Revelation 22, verse 12. It says this and behold, Jesus is speaking here. 
I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. That word behold is always intended to arrest your attention. When God says behold, he's saying, hey, hey, pay attention to what I'm about to say. You know, I think anytime God is speaking, we should pay attention. But when he says behold, God is saying, hey, give me your attention for what I'm getting ready to say. Behold, he says, I am coming quickly. We've talked about this several times when God says quickly. It doesn't mean because, you know, we may read this and say that was a couple thousand years ago. When God says quickly, the idea is that for every generation of people, we're to live like this could happen at any moment. But he's coming quickly. When he does come, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be without warning. And so we just want to be ready. We talked about this last week. If you stay ready, you don't got to do what? Get ready because you won't be able to get ready, right? If you leave this place today, you don't have a relationship with Christ and you die in a car accident, God forbid, do you have a chance to get ready? You don't, right? It's too late. And so every day people exit this life into eternity, many people assuming that they'll, they'll have another opportunity. I'll, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get this thing straightened out with me and God later. Don't ever take that up. Don't ever take that for granted. The Bible says tomorrow is promised to no man. What you have is what's in front of you have right now. You have this moment now to make sure you're right with the Lord. Jesus says, look, I am coming quickly again. And we're, we're to be mindful. We're to be anticipating his return at any moment. I love it. And, and Luke 19, 13, we're encouraged to occupy till he comes. Jesus there, you know, he called his servants and he, he had given them stuff to do. You know, he, it says that he called Luke 19, 13. He called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said to them, occupy till I come. That's how it says in the old King James. In the new King James, he gave them, you know, an amount of money and said, hey, until I come back, you guys be busy doing my work. That's what we're to be doing. Those of us that have been given a stewardship from the Lord, we're to be busy doing what God has given us to do until he comes back. Every time we take communion, I remind you guys of this, that, you know, Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, he says, for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death, what he did for us, until he what? Until he comes. That we live in this, this, this tension as believers where we're looking back at what the Lord did for us, but we're looking forward to the fact that the Lord is coming back. And so we want to be faithful in the middle to be doing those things that God has given us to do. I think that it's a blessing. The next thing it says here, Jesus said, behold, I'm coming quickly. He says this, and my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his work. God says, I'm coming back and I got rewards with me. And I'm going to reward everyone according to their work. Now, here's the deal. You can't work in order to be saved. Everybody know that? We work because we have been saved. Amen. We don't work so that we gain favor with God. So God will like us. So God will save us. God liked you when you were unlovely. He loves you when you were unlovely. God says he loved you so much that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Right. So in response to that, when we when we get born again, our lives are saved. Now, we, God, we serve you. We serve in response to the cross. We serve in response to what you have done for us. And God says, what a great deal that he would love us when we were unlovely, die on the cross for our sins, raise from the grave to promise us life eternal. And then God gives us gifts and abilities and stewardships and opportunities and says, and if you're faithful, I'll reward you when I come back. I'm coming back for you and I'm going to reward you based on how you've done since you got saved. So everybody here, ask yourself that question. Since how many guys here say I am definitely born again? No, I'm going to heaven, washed in the blood. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
Amen. Praise God. You, if you know it, you should know it. We've been, we, we deal with that last Wednesday in First John, right? We can know that we know. But if you know that you're saved, great. Praise the Lord. That's a big deal that, that God has done that for you. You've received that gift. But then God's like, okay, what have you done? What are you doing as a believer? How are you living? What are you doing for the Lord? How, how is your life impacting the kingdom? What are you doing week to week that matters eternally? That's a big deal. So I got a bunch of verses. I'm going to do my best to I'm going to run kind of quickly through them. I want you to write them down. At least I want you to have them for a reference. You might not be able to turn to each one with me, but I want to walk through some verses because the Bible has a lot to say about eternal rewards. And I think some people are kind of funny about this. Some people say, well, you know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm just, you know, like like it's a bad thing to serve God or to, to, to serve in hopes of reward. It's not a bad thing because God encourages the motive. God is the one who told you to, hey, hey, let me encourage you not to live for this life, but live for the life to come. God is the one that encourages us to store up treasure. And he's got a bunch of verses where he encourages us to do just that. So write these down. Write down Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And again, I'm going to read them to us real quick. Jesus said this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and dust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. And so Jesus encouraged us there to store our treasures where, where they can't be stolen or taken away from. Store them up in heaven ahead of us. And then in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says this, says, for the son of man, will come in the, in, in the glory of his father with the angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. God says, Jesus is coming back. He's going to reward each one according to his works. So as you're hearing these words, I want you to be thinking about, man, what are my works? What do I do for the Lord? What am I doing as a believer that matters to God that's rewardable? Matthew 5, 11 and 12, it says this, Jesus speaking, blessed are you, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, Jesus said, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you endure difficulty and hardship as a believer for your faith in Christ, God said, don't feel bad. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So when you don't get invited to the function because they know that you don't drink when they, when they leave you out of stuff because they know that you don't get down God said hey don't feel bad rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven the next one second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done rather good or bad this is referred as to, to as the Bema seat judgment. For believers, we have one judgment, right? Do we get judged for our sins as Christians? No, our sins were already judged on the cross, right? We're free and clear. No sin to be dealt with. But God will bring us to what's called the Bema seat judgment, where your, your works are judged. They're weighed out. So anybody here know that you could do a right thing with a wrong motive? Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever served? You can serve God with a wrong motive, right? So... If you serve God, but your motive is bad, God's like, I knew the motive. So that's there's no reward on that. So if you're, you know, I've known guys that, you know, they don't really serve, 
But then when a girl that they like shows up, they're like, oh, let me let me let me let me show them I'm 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 serving God now. You know what I'm saying? They they get involved or whatever. And God's like, I, I saw that. I, I saw what I saw the motive of the heart there. The things that we do for the Lord in in, in sincerity and purity is really done for the Lord. God, that's a cool thing. God doesn't miss a thing. Anything you do for the Lord out of pure heart, God's like, I saw it. I saw the thing nobody else saw. I saw the thing you did in secret. I saw when you gave and nobody knew what you gave. I saw when you prayed for that individual, when you were merciful to that person in my name. He sees it all. He rewards it all. He keeps good records. And so we have that judgment to look forward to. In Matthew 25, 21, the, the parable of the talent, as you know, those servants of the Lord have been given a certain amount of talent, each one. And there was a day of reckoning where they have to give an account for what they had done with what the master gave them to the one that had multiplied what God gave him. In Matthew 25, 21, it says his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And so, again, there are things that God has given us here. Talent, if you will, things that we're stewards of. And God's like, hey, be faithful with everything I've given you. Faithfulness here to the Lord will equate to, you know, what we get to do in the next round, what we get to do for eternity with the Lord. In two places here, there's a promise of a crown of life to those who endure difficulty. In James chapter one, verse 12, James chapter one, verse 12, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which is promised to those who love him. And so this crown of life, there's, I mean, we're going to have there are different crowns in heaven. Every, you know, some people say all oh, the crowns of heaven, we're going to take them. We're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus, which which is great. But you got to earn them. Right. You got to you live in such a way here where God says, I'm going to give you that crown. You're going to have that crown for eternity. Right. The crown of life. So when you're tempted, you know, this is the person that endures temptation. When you're being pressed, when the enemy is pressing you, when your flesh is pressing you, but you're enduring the temptation, God says, I reward that eternally. Crowns, crown of life for that. That same crown is spoken of in Revelation chapter two, verse 10, as Jesus was speaking to the church, the persecuted church. And he says, do not fear any of those things which are you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until the end, and I will give you the crown of life. So those that are enduring spiritual persecution can receive the crown of life. Just a, several, just a few more verses, you guys. I want you to have these for future reference. So in Luke 12, 33 to 34, Luke 12, 33 to 34, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, sell what you have. And give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does, that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Then Jesus says, for you, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want everybody to consider that, right? If, if your treasures are down here, you got them, your treasure's in the wrong place. We got to send them up ahead. We, we, we can enjoy this place, but don't fall in love with this place. You are passing through this place. Send it up ahead. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul there deals with those who are wealthy and how they need to be careful. You know, we know Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, he speaks this to those that are wealthy in this life. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, 
nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may, they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. And God is saying, look, for those that God is blessed in some way, don't let it be something that hinders you. Let it be something that's used as a blessing. You know, that you're sending it up ahead. You're storing ahead. You're, you're being you're being used by God with what he's placed in your care. Over in Second Timothy 4, 8, Paul, at the end of his life, Paul has served God. He's lived his life. He's, a, he's getting ready to have his head cut off. He's going to die for his faith. He's in prison. And he writes this word in 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there is laid up for me, he says, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not me only, but also all those who love his appearing. Paul says, I'm going I'm to receive the crown of righteousness. It's laid up for me. And so he's looking forward to imagine being in jail, knowing that death is certain and being encouraged that I got I got rewards coming for, for this. You know, Paul's not complaining. He's saying he's telling us what he has to look forward to. Two more verses. This one's just for pastors. So you can just write this one down in First Peter five, one through four. Pastors that serve God faithfully are are encouraged there that there's reward for that. The Bema Seat Judgment is spoken about more in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. And the last verse I'm going to read to you right now is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And then we'll, we'll get back to Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, get this y'all, we got an inheritance in heaven that is incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I love this because it says God has God has said that the inheritance we have is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it doesn't fade away, it never wears out, it doesn't get old. And it's reserved in heaven for you and for me. It's being kept by the Lord for us. And so all of that to, to just encourage you guys back to Revelation. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me for those to give to everyone according to his work. Can I can I exhort you any more firmly today? Make sure that you're a part of the work that God is doing. Amen. Find you something to do for the kingdom of God. Find you a ministry. Find you a way to serve God. Find something to do with your gifts and talents and abilities that glorifies God and benefits believers. Find something to do for the Lord. It is Christianity is not a it's not a it's not a, a spectator sort of thing. None of us are called to just watch. No one's called to sit in the pew for their entire existence as a believer and observe. Everybody is called to be a participant. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has spiritual power. Everybody has the same connection to Jesus. It's a matter of our willingness and our obedience. Everybody can do something that matters for eternity. And the church is most the church is more, most powerful when everybody's doing their part. When it's 10% of the people doing 100% of the work, church is weak. Just we just not functioning at full capacity, you know? But if we can get everybody doing their part, we can do something. Amen. And so let's move on back to Revelation 22. Now he says in verse 13, Jesus says, I am the alpha 
and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Here, this term, this phrase, Alpha and Omega, is applied to God in chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 21, verse 6, and here to Christ. Just a sneaky, you know, free mind that says, I want to show someone the deity of Christ in Revelation. This is a way you could do it. You could say, hey, let's look at chapter 1, verse 8, where it says Alpha and Omega, and it's God. You, you, you know, you can ask the Jehovah's Witness, if, if you will. Is, is this speaking of God? Yes, it is. Can't, can't deny it. And then look at it at 21.6. Is this speaking of God? Yes, it is. Well, here explicitly we're told the Alpha and Omega is referring to Jesus Christ. It says Jesus is speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, those are the, the Greek alphabets. That's their A and their Z. He says, I'm the beginning and the end of all of this. I instigated. I began it. I'm going to end it. End it. It began with me. I'm going to bring it to conclusion. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Why is this significant to us? Because everybody here is, and we know that the, there's an end coming. Amen. There's an end to your life coming. There's an end to this world coming. There's he began and he said, look, if you go back to the very beginning, when everything was created, I was there, right? I was, he was there in creation. We know that we're going to, we're going to be in Colossians pretty soon. And we're going to learn more about that. But he said, I was there in the beginning. I created all things. Everything was made through me and by me and for me. And now he says, and I'm the end too. It's all going to conclude with me. And so if there's somebody you want to get straight with before you exit, who is it? It's him. He's the beginning and the end. That's it. That's who you want to get right with. There's there's no other person, you know, deity or thing that equates to who God is. God says, look, it all begins and it ends with me. And that's why we're encouraged, why we preach Jesus, why we proclaim the name of Jesus, why we point people to Jesus why we are very clear that there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Any other belief, practice, religion is false. It won't get you where you want to go. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There is one way to heaven. It's through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Look at verse 14. Now it says, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. That word blessed here means happy. Blessed or happy are those who do his commandments. Once again, we're not doing his commandments in order to earn eternal life. It's an evidence that we have received eternal life, that we have been saved. Blessed, happy are those. Here's the thing. Some people think if they do all the things that God tells them to do, that they're going to be bummed out. Some people think God's rules are, if I do everything God says do, man, it's going uh, to be boring. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be able to have fun with my friends or whatever, which is not true, right? Some of us have tried to do, uh, anybody here done both? Right? Let me speak. If anybody's listening, you young people, hear me out. I did both. I did everything I wanted to do regardless of what God said. I, I was like, that looks fun. I'm going to do that. I did that. And then I got saved and I was like, God, I'm going to do it your way. And I, I'm, I'm going to just spill the beans, right? When I did everything I wanted to do, I was not happy. I had moments of happiness, but it was fleeting. I learned this, that the, the things I did to make myself happy always had a price tag on them. Who can, who can, who can concur, right? Yeah, I, I did it. It was fun. And then, and then the price tag came. And then it was like, oh, man, I got to pay that. I got I to gotta suffer that for that, you know? Then I give my life to Christ, and I'm, I'm observing the rules. Okay, I can't do that. No more getting drunk. No more, you know, running with all these different ladies. And I, okay, well, then I need to get married. And then, and I, I really couldn't see a life without alcohol. I thought that was the only way to have a good time. Can I tell you that I've never stopped laughing? Like, 
God didn't take away my sins. My, I, I used to think that fun was attached to drinking, but God's like, no, that, that's just who you are, right? I'm, I'm, I have my fun, and I'm be 100% sober, right? I don't need, I don't need to be out of my mind in order to have a good time. know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today, here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Revelation. There are a variety of things addressed in this book. There are letters written to churches, lots of imagery and prophecy, and the best part, a coming king who will reign supreme. Don't you just love a good story? Where good overcomes evil? Jesus is the ultimate in this bringing good and restoring all that's broken and lost. What a wonderful Savior! How do you engage with the book of Revelation? Is it scary to you? Is it confusing? Is it inspiring? We'd like to help you through what you're thinking as you're listening to these messages. Our number is 310-245-4811. Feel free to give us a call. We'd love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up. But please join us again for the next edition as God continues to reveal His plan for the world and for us. On behalf of Pastor Bill and the rest of the production team, thanks for being a part of A Transforming Word.